You're listening to the Geek Watch Podcast, Episode 41. The geeks are back in town. This is the Geek Watch Podcast with Brian Hatcher and Mandy Petrie. Greetings, Geek Watchers, and welcome to episode 41 of the Geek Watch Podcast. I'm Brian Hatcher, and with me, as always, Geek Watch's own resident geek goddess, Mandy Petrie. We're back! Yes, we've been gone for a couple of weeks now. Mm -hmm. Lots of stuff has happened. Weather, but mostly really cool stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So what we'll start out with is the two things that we did over Mm -hmm. the last couple of weeks. We went to a couple conventions. Mm Mm-hmm. First one being ShakaCon. ShakaCon. It's my home con. It's here in Charleston, West Virginia, and it's a sci-fi horror convention. I won the trivia contest. So excited. Me, personally, it was my first year having my own table. Right. I usually set up with the Ghostbusters, and I think it was your first year without your own table, right? Yeah. I mean, normally I... I perform at Chaka Khan mm-hmm. and I usually put a table out, but this year I wanted to kind of cut back on that a little bit and just kind of enjoy the con. Mm-hmm. Although I have noticed in my old age, for me, what I enjoy in cons is that usually the con itself, I'm over it in about about an hour or so. What I really enjoy about cons is hanging out with people that, that I know, and uh, especially when I travel out of town, being able to to hang out with people I don't get to see that often. You but... only see them during the cons. Right. That, that time, yeah. But I had a good time at ChakaCon. So what was your favorite part of the convention? Oh, wow. It's it's difficult. You know, I got a lot of visitors at my table and uh, a lot of people liking my, my paintings and stuff. I always, you know, enjoy listening to the celebrities and, and the panels. And I think my most favorite uh, point was I have a friend who's in the Ghostbusters. He also does cosplay. He did a cosplay of the Babadook. Mm -hmm. It's a horror movie. If you haven't seen it, watch it. So I had done a painting of the Babadook and I had it set up at my booth and there was this little girl walking by and she started tugging on her dad's arm and pointing at it. And he said, oh yeah, that's from that movie you like. And they said, she loves the Babadook and she's, and she has the book and she just loves it so much. And I was like, this is, this kid's like me when I was a kid loving horror movies and scary stuff. And, and I told him, I was like, I've seen the Babadook around here. And a little bit later, um, Jimmy, he passed by and he was out of costume and I told him about it. I said, there's a little girl around here who loves the Babadook. And he went and got redressed and he found her and just her face was like meeting Mickey Mouse at Disney World. She was so happy. They got pictures and I was like, this is Disney World for this kid. This is her dream. You know, she met Cinderella. <laughs> this yeah. is, it was beautiful. I loved it. Uh, her little sister wasn't quite as impressed, what to say. He, she was a little bit scared. Now, the other thing that happened to you is you got serenaded. I did. I got serenaded by a boondock saint, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. Uh, Sean Patrick Flannery, young Indiana Jones, Connor Murphy from Boondock Saints. He's done several other things, but those are the ones you probably really know him from. He did sing to me. He sang Mandy by Barry Manilow. He also said that he felt betrayed by John Denver. The Shenandoah River and the Blue Ridge Mountains are not actually in West Virginia. Right. They are in Virginia. So when he found out that they were not actually here and he would not get to see them, it doesn't mean that West Virginia isn't almost heaven, because it is. But we don't have that river and we don't have those mountains. We have 
the Monongalia River and the Canal River, and we have the Appalachian Mountains, but we don't have those particular. And I just don't th- think they fit musically in that song. Right. <laughs> well, you know, it's not the only time that a John Denver lyric was misleading. I mean, Rocky Mountain High, it's not that kind of high, kids. <laughs> so. <laughs> Well, uh, now uh, that it's legal in Colorado... uh, Colorado High is a whole different kind of situation. Yeah, uh uh-huh. Yeah, but we had a lot of fun guests. We had Nicholas Brendan from Mm -hmm. Buffy. We had Giote. She was Ma Petite from American Horror Story Freak Show. She's the the tiniest woman in the world. And she's 23 years old. And seeing her on screen is one thing. Seeing her in person is just amazing. Not only is she tiny, striking that way, she's also beautiful. To say she looks like a doll, not because she's tiny, but looks like she was sculpted. She's very pretty, and uh, she's her hands are so tiny, but her nails are so long. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I definitely had a good time there, and like I said, always getting together and meeting with people is always fun, and I had a good time. And then, of course, last week, was Imaginarium. Aha. And, and how was that? Oh, that was great. I got to uh, moderate a few panels on YouTube and on social media, and I was able to be on some panels, uh, Marvel versus DC. Oh, who won? Um, <laughs> well, we did. We all won, basically. <laughs> and we will talk a little Marvel versus DC here in a little bit, but also uh, was on a panel about podcasting. Uh, I like to pretend like I know what I'm doing when it comes to podcasting. But uh, it was a lot of fun, and um, I got to see Tim Wagner again. He's been a regular of Imaginarium for a little while now, and it's always good to sit down and talk shop with him and just kind of hang out. And Maurice Broaddus from MoCon. From MoCon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he didn't tell anybody he was coming, so he just kind of low-key snuck in. Not even you? You didn't know? No, nobody oh, knew. Oh, so surprise. Yeah, surprise for everybody. Mm-hmm. And so he, he wasn't on any panels or anything. He just wanted to hang out, so it was good seeing him again. And, of course, one of the people I love talking to at Imaginarium is John Pica. He's a magician. He he has a character, Big Daddy Cool, who's a performer, magician. He's also a singer. And he did a Friday night show that had magic and burlesque, and uh, it was a lot of fun. Ooh, a very fun show. And Kind of a cabaret. Yeah, a, yeah. a cabaret. There were, I'm trying to remember what the name of the, the clown group was, but it was a very surreal clown group. One of the clowns was painted up like Hunter S. Thompson. But it was, like I said, it was very surreal. So David Lynch would have been comfortable. It had a Lynchian sort of uh, a vibe to it. Because, of course, you have a Hunter S. Thompson clown who was eating peyote, uh, pretending <laughs> to eat peyote. There was no real peyote. That we knew of. <laughs> right. And then one of the clowns was dressed up as Little Red Riding Hood. So, of course, every time she strolled onto the stage, it was, hey there, little Miss Riding Hood. That would start playing. Mm-hmm. And so... And there were some clown, a couple of clowns that had pig noses, and it was a very surreal kind of an act. Yeah. Uh, a lot of fun to watch. But, yeah, the panels were a lot of fun, and, of course, getting to hang out with everybody was really cool. Where I live, I, I know of writers. Michael Nost lives in Logan, and I don't get to see him as much as you get to see him. So it's always good, you know, as an artist, to be able to hang out with your own kind. Mm-hmm. And writers... Of course, we do a lot of our stuff alone, so things like conventions are sometimes the only the opportunities we get to sit down with each other and kind of relax and, you know, shoot the breeze and talk about what's going on in the world mm-hmm. of uh, publishing. 
it's always, for me, something I always look forward to, to go to Imaginarium and mm-hmm. hang out. And I want to try to start doing more writing conventions, but yeah. that's really going to depend on time. Open and one that. here. <laughs> Have we've, one here. You well, know? well, we've tried that a couple of times. Really? Yeah. It's a lot of work. Any convention is an awful lot of work. It's kind of disappointing, you know, writers always working alone because... Sometimes, I mean, you get gold. Sometimes you get Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett getting together right. and writing Good Omens, which the trailer for the movie just dropped. Yes, I saw that. Uh, I know. That looks amazing. I haven't read the book yet, but as I've discovered in the past, sometimes it's disappointing to read the book and then watch the movie. So I'm torn, Brian. I don't know whether I want to read the book and then watch the movie or watch the movie first so that I'm not disappointed. Well, I mean, usually you have... Uh, with uh, Neil Gaiman and American Gods, when it came out, it's sort of its own thing, but it's still a lot of fun. And when Neil Gaiman was here in Charleston for the uh, Book Expo two years ago, he talked about him writing with uh, Terry Pratchett, and then those two getting together is just magical. Terry mm-hmm. Pratchett, great, funny, mythic-style author, and mm-hmm. of course... Discworld, if you're not familiar with right. Terry Pratchett. Discworld and Neil Gaiman, of course, you know, Coraline yeah. and, uh, and American Gods. You know, if the teleplay is even half as amazing as the as the book, you know, it I'm I'm in, I'm mm-hmm. sold. And another uh, book that was getting put to film for the second time, Pet Cemetery. Yes, the, uh, we we got our trailer for Pet Cemetery that we've yeah. been hearing about for a long time. Oh yeah, I'm totally looking forward to that too. It looks really good. When I first heard they were going to be redoing Pet Cemetery. I was like, well, the original was just so good, though. Mm -hmm. But if they've got something to add to it, if they give us something out of the, uh, uh, in this new adaptation that we didn't get to the old one, yeah, I'm down for that. Mm -hmm. So I'm excited about it. I I love the original. It scared me to death. But I heard the BBC's uh, radio play of it. Right. And that really, because, you know, um, with Stephen King, there's so much that happens inside the characters' heads that you don't get on screen. And, you know, Having that radio play, it really helped you get inside of Creed's head. Mm-hmm. And so we'll see how it goes. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Mm-hmm. Well, we are going to talk, speaking of Doctor Who, we are going to talk a little bit mm-hmm. of Doctor Who and Walking Dead. We did have our premieres on Sunday. But before we do that, since I already mentioned Marvel versus DC, something weird is happening in the cinematic universes. Something weird is always happening in the cinematic yeah, universe. But this What's is, this? <laughs> but this is, this is extra weird because... Okay. Because we've been talking uh, for a while about Marvel versus DC, and there was that moment some time ago where DC and Warner Brothers was going—they were going to open Justice League on the same weekend as a Marvel movie. They wanted to go head to head. They decided not to do that for a bunch of reasons. One, because uh, as it turns out, the movie that they were going to go opposite of was hmm, Captain America: okay. The Winter Soldier, which would have been—it would have been rough because that was such a good movie. But the other thing too was they needed to push the movie back many, many months because they had to do reshoots and they had to mm-hmm. they had to bring Joss Whedon in. So if they would have released it at that time, it would have been bad. So we've never really had that Marvel versus DC moment. But this December, we're going to have a Marvel versus DC moment, what? finally. Yes. Well, I know of Aquaman. What, yes. What Marvel movie is coming out? This is where it gets weird. Well, first of all, it's not going to be Marvel Studios releasing it. It's going to be Fox. And the whole thing with 20th Century Fox that's kind of weird is now that they've been bought out by Disney, mm-hmm. some movies we thought were going to get shelved, apparently they're coming out now. For example, the Phoenix Saga, mm-hmm. the Phoenix movie, the Dark Phoenix movie. Yep. We thought that was going to get shelved. No, they're going to release it, which I'm not sure how I feel about that because mm-hmm. 
I think it's running into the same problem X3 was. We haven't really developed a whole lot with the Phoenix character, so you know, how can we care about the stakes? Mm-hmm. The other movie that there are going to be releasing is New Mutants. And I, have I this... thought that was a series. Well, huh. no, it, it's going to be a movie, but here's really? the, th- okay. the thing about it is they ha- took the movie and started doing reshoots because <laughs> if you saw the trailers, it looks like a horror movie. Well, oh, people, well, okay. yeah, it, it's kind of a horror movie setup. And so they've been advertising it as a horror movie and people have been really excited about seeing a superhero horror movie. So that sounds cool to me. We've got the buddy cop movie and Thor Ragnarok and we've right. got, we've got our family show and we, we've got them all. So why right. not have a horror movie too? Yeah. But here's the thing, because everybody got so excited about it being a horror movie, they had to go and do reshoots so that it would be a horror movie. Uh, okay. So, yeah, and that bothers me. It's like, look, if you're going to advertise it as something, it needs to be that. I mean, mm-hmm. what were they intending on doing? Drawing people in thinking it was a horror movie and then it turns out it's not? I mean, that's terrible. Uh, they did that with People Under the Stairs. Yeah. <laughs> I can remember that vividly. I was young, but I remember that thinking this movie looks terrifying and then finally seeing it and seeing how ridiculous it was right (laughs) but apparently it hadn't been shot as a horror movie but of course all the trailers made it look like a horror movie so like i guess we need to go with it but then they had to start doing reshoots it's like one of these days people in hollywood are going to understand that if you're going to advertise a movie it should be indicative of the actual movie you're intending to show the audience So those happened, but neither one of those is going to be competing against Aquaman. The movie that's going to be competing against Aquaman is Deadpool 2. They are re-releasing Deadpool 2, and here's where it gets even stranger. They're re-releasing it as a PG-13 cut. (laughs) So... So the one that you see on TV, if you're going to watch Deadpool on on, on cable, this is what right. we're going to see. So wait, are they bleeping? Are they replacing fudge? What what are they doing? I don't know. what <laughs> Monkey fighting snakes on this Monday to Friday plane? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It must be something like that. Um, actually, Ryan Reynolds, he released a picture on his Twitter that had Deadpool sitting in a chair with a with a Christmas hat on in a bedroom. With a storybook, reading the story, which I'm assuming is going to be Deadpool 2, to Fred Savage. Now, if you guys remember the... From uh, the Wonder the, Years? Yeah. Or in this case, the Princess Bride, if you remember. Oh, the sick kid from the Princess Bride, yes. where his grandpa was reading to him. Okay. Yes, and he's dressed up in the same <laughs> shirt. And so I guess they're using that as a, as a, a framing mechanism that they're going to... Deadpool is going to be able to, I guess, basically censor the story Uh Uh in the fact that he's going to be reading it to Fred Savage. They're just re-releasing the movie. And I know they they had a super duper cut of it on, they called it the super duper extended cut on Blu-ray. But they're actually bringing it back in the theaters, and they're doing it as a PG-13. And Well, you know what? This could be the Deadpool that parents wanted to see with their kids. Well, there you go. <laughs> well, the other part of it, too, is that now that Fox is a part of Disney, this may also be a way of showing, hey, you know, yeah, Deadpool's an R-rated movie, but it'll work in a PG-13. Here's a PG-13 movie. So yeah, that- and you can come and see this movie, and you'll see the trailer for Mary Poppins right in front of it. Well, there you go. <laughs> But also maybe for Ryan Reynolds to say to Disney, hey, look, if you want to make Deadpool part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, we can make it work. And so I think they're trying to kind of show that as well so that Deadpool doesn't get completely shelved. Although as long as it's making money, they're not going to shelf it. (laughs) I wouldn't think so. 
they'd have to figure out some way of bringing it in. And I know that the Marvel Cinematic Universe, they like to keep it at the PG-13 level. And for the most part, I think that's a really good idea. But Mm -hmm. sometimes you just have to have one or two outliers that are Mm -hmm. are a little bit different. But it is a kid in all of us to see the superheroes. So that's who it's for. That's who the first comic books were for. So Right. But, you know, Deadpool's for the, that 13-year-old part of us that likes to hear the F-bomb. So <laughs> it's a little bit different. So, But with it competing against Aquaman, it's just a weird place to put it to deliberately have that showdown. I don't know what that's going to do with Aquaman. Like I said, it's a PG-13 version of Deadpool, which on paper sounds like, well, that's going to be boring. But it is Ryan Reynolds, and it is very meta, and I have to admit, I'm curious. Yeah. I'm thinking Warner Brothers and Fox are probably going to get my money that weekend. I don't know what I'll go see first, but something like that, you just have to figure out what the heck's going on. <laughs> so, Well, we'll end today with Doctor Who and Walking Dead. The season premieres were on Sunday. Man, we definitely got a lot to talk about in both of those. So we'll start with Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. I've seen the season opener a few times. In fact, I went to the theater to see it on the big screen. It was playing Wednesday and Thursday. So I went in on Wednesday to see it. What did you think? I was completely happy with it. I mean, it's uh, it was very par for the course. Mm-hmm. You know, this is the doctor. This is every time they, they have a regeneration, they have this adjustment period. Mm-hmm. And there's no doubt that, yes, she is the doctor. It was very clever. It was kind of, I think, low key. But, mm-hmm. you know, we want to build. Right. So starting off at 13, we don't want to start at 13. We want to start, at, you know, and then move up. Don't crank it all the way up to 11. Right. Uh, start low key and then build up. I like the character development of our new companions. Mm-hmm. The villain was super creepy. Our tooth fairy guy. I'm looking forward to it. I, oh, I can't yeah. wait for more. I, I love I'll tell her you voice. What, yeah, definitely. And there are going to be some spoilers here. So if you haven't seen Doctor Who yet, or you haven't seen Walking Dead, pause now and come back. But I have to say that I know there was a little bit of controversy about Jodie Whittaker taking over the role, but I have to say that there was never any time during the the show that I thought for a moment, this isn't the doctor. This, right. Mm-hmm. She felt like the doctor from the moment she appeared on screen. Mm-hmm. And of course, the first episode with any doctor is always kind of weird because there's you know, the you know regeneration and it takes them a while to get into the, the swing of things because, of course, everything is bubbling up and they're trying to readjust to this new body and this new mind and and all of Mm -hmm. this. But I really, really enjoyed what Jody is doing with this character. There's a lot of that throwback to the old school Doctor Who that I just love with just a hint of new Who in there. But you can definitely tell that this is a new show beginning to end. I mean, even the look of it is different. I mean, this is the first time, I think, in Doctor Who that they've been using the anamorphic lenses to give it that real cinema look. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, the production values were really good. The amount of CG they had was, I think, appropriate and very well pulled off. The costuming was great. And they're bringing a lot of interesting things into the show. The female characters, for the most part, seem to be the ones that were driving the plot. You had one character that uh, has dyspraxia, and so he has a bit of a handicap. Mm-hmm. You know, which I think really expands his character. Yeah, That's physical and medical flaw rather than like emotional or, right. you know. Yeah, something that he's going to have to deal with. And it's in a situation that it's not anything they're going to be able to really ignore during the, the span of the show. Because 
course, as we know, that never goes away. You can learn to deal with it, but it's always going to be a part of, of his character, which I thought was really interesting. But he had great characters. The one thing about this episode was, of course, Grace, or Ryan referred to as Nan, his mm-hmm. grandmother. The, when I the, saw at the beginning, you think he's talking about the doctor, right? And then it's his his Nan the whole time. It's oh. well, you know, that's the other part of it too. Is mm-hmm. that, of course, the uh, the title of the episode is the woman who fell to earth, and of course, you think that's referring to the doctor, right? Right? No, no. Yeah. nope. It was referring to mm-hmm. to Grace, and. Fallen Grace. Oh, ouch. Yeah. Sorry, guys. Yeah, there, this wasn't my fault this time, folks. <laughs> so, yeah, so there was a lot of surprises in the episode. And there was just a lot of great stuff. I loved how the doctor made her screwdriver. Mm-hmm. And I'm good at building things, probably. But, you know, making the uh, the sonic screwdriver out of the Sheffield steel and, <laughs> and all that. I mean, there was a lot of great stuff. And it it does feel like a new show, because you have new music, you've got yeah. that new look, you've got new companions. And so if you've never seen Doctor Who before, you mm-hmm. can definitely And this start- is a, yeah, they, and they talked about this is a great jumping on point. Yeah. It's, you know, and, jump onto it and uh, yeah. we're going to get a whole new mess of villains than we've right. ever had before. Well, the other thing that's going to be different about this show is that there's not a through line. All the episodes are going to be standalone. Mm-hmm. And so... Mm-hmm. The only thing that's, I think that, and I don't know how long this is going to last, but of course the doctor's lost her TARDIS and it's going to be a matter of finding it again. And we're not sure when that's going to happen. It might happen the next yes, episode. Yes, a brilliant cliffhanger looking for the looking for the TARDIS. Brilliant cliffhanger. We've right. got the doctor and all these humans suspended in space right now. Yeah, flo- <laughs> floating in space. <laughs> So they've got about 30 seconds to figure out what the There's heck they something gonna, to happen. That's going to be a very interesting 30 seconds. I guess we'll find out. On Sunday. This, on Sunday, mm-hmm. what happens. We also had this weekend the season premiere of the new season of The Walking Dead. I haven't watched it. Which you haven't watched it. <laughs> which means that I haven't I'm, got around to it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I have. And so mm-hmm. not that an awful lot happened. Really? I will say this. I mean, it seems like a lot of time has passed, so they would need to, you know, establish what was going on. Right. And so forgive me, Mandy. I mean, we are going to talk spoilers. I don't so. care. Exactly. <laughs> I, I, I know that. Thank goodness. So, <laughs> But a lot of the show, like I said, one of the things they really pushed on the show is that this is going to be brand spanking new. And so for, um, and, and for the first time, they've changed the opening credits. They, it's completely different now. Really? I mean, the music's the same. But the design of the opening credits, what they've had since the beginning of the show, has changed. But I will say that, although, like I said, they're pushing it as a brand new show and that it's so different, I have to say that it does kind of fall into the same pattern that the show's had for a long time, where the first part of the season is basically the survivors kind of fighting amongst themselves. And then by the middle of the season, you have that outside force who comes in and then they have to bond together to fight this threat. And it looks like they're going down that road again, because most of this episode was about the troubles that they're running into. Of course, they're running out of fuel. And Mm -hmm. so they've been using horses horses and, Mm -hmm. and some ethanol. But they're running out of that. They're running out of supplies. So they're going into different places to get things so that they can build up. Some of the main issues that they're running into right now is that the Hilltop is really the only group at this point that's Mm self-sufficient. And it's become their responsibility to help everyone else. Everyone else. And one of the biggest drains on resources has been the saviors. Mm Mm-hmm. 
because, of course, their that pers- was their whole <laughs> their whole thing was taking from right. other people. Mm-hmm. They live in a factory, so they're trying to start growing things, but they're really not in the best place for it. The way that they're used to doing things doesn't quite work out anymore. Best example is they're starting this farm in the episode. They're pulling up this walker onto a, a St. Andrew's cross to act as a as a scarecrow. Mm-hmm. They're used to doing stuff like that. It's like whatever resources we have, we use them. And Daryl comes in and he sees that and he gets disgusted and he takes his crossbow and kills the, kills the, the walker. walker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and says, you don't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. But there's other stuff going on at... At the sanctuary, there was that moment you see in the trailer where somebody is painted on the wall. You know, we are still Negan. Mm-hmm. You know, Savior, save us. So there's a lot of mistrust with the saviors, obviously, although some of the saviors are definitely happy the way things are. But there apparently there are some that are not. And there's, again, there's there's all of this mistrust. Now, there's some beautiful stuff there, too. We're now seeing that Carol and Ezekiel are an item. Mm-hmm. We get that wonderful moment where Ezekiel proposes to Carol Aww. and gives her the ring. And she says, that's just going to get caught on everything. <laughs> so, you know, And so she basically says, no, no, we're, we're not going to go down that road. Although she does admit to Daryl later that she almost said yes. Mm-hmm. You know, mm. And so how that, of course, in the comics... The relationship was Ezekiel and Michonne. Mm-hmm. But you're starting to see some of the relationship stuff. Because mm-hmm. it's it, Rick and Andrea, right? Andrea's yeah, still alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the comics. So you're you're getting all this build up, and eventually Carol decides to take over the sanctuary. So they wind up splitting up at that point mm-hmm. because Daryl does stay in the kingdom. Yeah. The king has to stay. And Daryl, who was at one point kind of running things at the sanctuary, he's like, you know, that's this is only temporary. And so he's like, I gotta get out of here. And so Carol steps up and takes over. So you you got that situation. You start to see, like I said, a lot of the mistrust with the saviors, but then you also start to see the hilltop and Maggie and her issues because, again, they've asked for a lot. And Rick, at one point, decides to ask her, says, we've got a situation. They had this bridge that collapsed, and they've got to rebuild the bridge because, again... When you have horses and you don't have cars, the distance between all the settlements has increased. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it's added a day, two days to travel. And so they have to have the straightest routes they can have. And so they've got to fix this bridge because with the bridge going down, you know, having to circumvent the bridge adds to the travel. Plus, it's not the best terrain. In fact, having to circumvent the bridge meant that uh, a young man who was member of Hilltop, he winds up getting killed. Mm. Which makes things rough on Maggie because the boy's parents were real upset about him leaving anyway, and then they find out he's dead, and so they're not very happy about it, and that makes you know that makes things rough on Maggie. And then when Rick is asking her for more supplies, she's like, "Forget it. They're going to need to carry their own weight." Mm-hmm. But then we run into Gregory again. So basically, Gregory decided, "Hey, look, since people are not sure who should be running things, let's have a, an election." So they had an election, and this happened apparently between the two seasons. And mm-hmm. everybody was like, "Well, we'll take Maggie," which I guess he was really surprised about. He figured in a fair election, he should be able to beat her. Uh, I found out not at all. So he decided to start scheming again. The man and the woman who lost the son seemed like a very good weak link, and Gregory was able to kind of worm his way in and talk the two of them into attacking and killing Maggie and trying to kill her. It didn't work out so well, and Maggie wasn't really happy and knew what was happening, and so you get this moment where she confronts Gregory, and Gregory's like, the heck with it, and attacks her with a knife. And it's like, well, this is self-defense. You came after me. 
But again, this is Maggie, and she's got a son that she's protecting, so she wasn't having it. So she took him down. I have to say, uh, starting out, it seemed a little bit rushed that they they went this far. I figured this was somewhere where they were going to be going, but I didn't expect it this soon. So basically what happened is you've got Michonne and Rick. It's night, and they're all still at the hilltop. And you see Maggie, and you see all the people from Hilltop gathered together, and you see the framework of a house, and you see a noose, and you see Gregory sitting on the back of a horse with a noose around his neck. Is she going to hang him? Yes, she is. (laughs) So she hangs Gregory in front of everyone. And there's this moment where uh, a few kids come walking over, and... Michonne tries to basically stop what's going on so that these kids don't see Gregory get hanged. But the weird thing is Rick stops her, grabs her, and stops her from doing that. And so the kids wound up seeing Gregory hung. For some reason, Rick wanted those kids to see this hanging. I don't know why. I'm wondering if maybe he's thinking that might be a good way for maybe Maggie to back off. But no, not at all. So we have horses, wagons, and hanging. And uh, we're... I know there were uh, zombie-fighting cowboys in Fear the Walking Dead. I haven't seen it, but looks like we're going full-on cowboy. Well, because they're running out of resources, and so they're having to go retro on a lot of things. I would have thought that Gregory's death would come maybe a little bit later in the series, because, again, this is the season premiere, and yes, we've seen Gregory be a weasel for a while now. Just want to hit the ground running and have something exciting. They're definitely going to be promoting a separation of, of all these groups of people. That, especially with the saviors and how people aren't going to necessarily trust them, and now that the distances have effectively become greater between these settlements, that things are going to be kind of rough, that there's going to be an attempt, and I know in the trailer you've seen it where Michonne's saying we've got to have rules set up. And so they're going to try to, I guess in some aspect, have all of the settlements following the same group of rules so that, Mm -hmm. I guess like a situation... Set up an empire. You know, everybody's following the same set of rules... You could see from the trailer for the next episode that the tensions between the different settlements are going to be ramped up. And I figured, you know, this is going to continue to get worse and worse and worse. And then I think when the whispers finally show up, that's when they're they're going to have to decide to band together in some aspect. But by then, we're probably going to have Rick dead and maybe Maggie as well. And whether all of this with, like I said, with Gregory and with a lot of the tensions with Hilltop and with the Saviors, if that's not going to have something to do with it, it's possible. So I guess we will see as we will see. And then, of course, Sunday we'll get two more episodes and we'll have something we can talk about. So, And so with that, we've reached the end of episode 41 of the Geek Watch podcast. Thank you for tuning in, and tune in next week for the latest in geek news and views with the Geek Watch podcast. For Mandy Petrie, this is Brian Hatcher reminding all the geek watchers out there that we're all geeky about something. Be proud of yours. See you next time. Thank you for listening to the Geek Watch podcast. If you enjoyed this program, don't forget to like and subscribe on your preferred platform and share this podcast on your social media. For links to all the ways you can listen to the Geek Watch podcast, as well as leave comments and suggestions, visit our website at geekwatch.net. The Geek Watch podcast is a Hanging J production.